Hello all, welcome to the Lunar Sea Spire Cartoon Fan Podcast. This is episode 461, and today we'll be talking about a fateful encounter from Unicorn Warriors Eternal. I'm GC13. And I'm David. So this was the one, this was the one that really <laughs> reeled me into the series. What did you think? <laughs> um, well, first of all, somehow I have uh, some screwed up version of the Summer Camp Island theme song stuck in my head for the inspector that goes something like, magic isn't real here, now please leave my office. <laughs> because, uh, well, yeah, that's that's the weird theme that comes comes in this one. Uh, I could see why this is the one that reeled you in, because the slapstick increases thanks to the introduction of the inspector and the police, and uh, also the drama gets uh, manifested in a very direct way. Like, we see the conflict between Emma and not Emma, <laughs> and that the toll that's playing on her. This episode did not do anything for my confusion over who is in the driver's seat between Melinda and Emma in that whole host situation. In fact, having seen the entire series, I still rewatched this, and it's not as clear-cut as I thought it was after uh, we got to see a wonderful flashback. It's, uh, you know, even more in question because we meet, and I don't know if this is the last time they're ever talked about, but the reawakened group, which is a lineage of folks who think that from time to time, people in their family will be uh, overtaken by the spirits to battle evil. Um, I don't know why they what they're training for, if they're just trying to keep their bodies in shape and just looking like the archetype of <laughs> the, you know, the original warriors, um, because obviously any actual combat training they do would disappear, presumably. Although yeah. there, there does seem to be a, just an inkling of a relationship left with whoever the host's body is over time. Even when Edward's noting that Copernicus, like, this reawakening is the worst one yet, but there's almost a sliver of a hint that, you know, occasionally the host soul may have some memories, some influence. So maybe that's what the reawakened group attempts to do, is just be as prepared as possible to be like the warriors. Yeah, those guys were definitely casualties of the cut down to 10 episodes. I yes. will tell you this, they do make an appearance. And I'll just tell you, when they do make an appearance, you'll be thinking, man, I think those guys are the only ones who can come in handy at this situation. And uh, thankfully, thankfully, they do step in when they're needed. <laughs> yeah, they're the fact that they're even here, it, it just adds to the mystery. Because you're thinking, all right, it seems like a really big deal that Copernicus went and chose these other people. But we don't even know what guides Copernicus's decisions. And also, you know, he himself was reawakened, which he doesn't understand either. Um, I don't really know how Copernicus comes back every other time, though. Why was he even buried in a grave in the first place? Why does he lie dormant? That is a mystery. I mean, I suppose, you know, as a robot, he only has finite... He only has so much time he can operate, so much like you might have a vampire lord who spends a lot of time sleeping to make his not-quite-immortal life last as much time as possible. Copernicus, he has to be with these guys a long time. He doesn't need to be running around putting wear and tear on his body in between evilness. Now, something I've always thought, maybe when Fox Lady's minions attacked the uh, resting place of Copernicus, 
He woke up early and started summoning the warriors too early, and that is why they have such trouble. They're just too young. Mm, wrong timing. Uh, Edred was the oldest person to be called, and he is the one who came out the most right. Mm-hmm. Interesting, if age is the primary factor. Yeah, Sang at least had his memories, the, the memories of the Doctor. Well, he knows he's the Doctor anyway, but he was just completely not prepared at all to handle the cosmic world. So there, there was definitely, he was missing out on a lot there. Well, and it's interesting that he didn't have a member in the Reawakened group. No, the the monk dude would have been one of Sang's descendants, or the descendants of one of Sang's hosts. Oh, you're right, you're right. It wasn't the, so that Edred is actually the one that doesn't have the, the member, because there's just two of them, right, in this episode? Yeah, there's yeah. there's no third member. Yeah. So, yeah, nothing is really left clarified, but like you were saying with feeling cut short, I, I really felt that the inspector was the holdover of the theme of magic versus technology, but instead it's only played for jokes. <laughs> yeah, oh man, I thought when I saw the inspector in, I'm like, oh, so this is going to be a constant secondary antagonist. And of course, you know, they play with him for a few episodes before casting him aside. Yeah, what do, what do you think of him? I, you know, he, it, it, it's weird. He clearly knows magic is real, but he needs to just handle things and uh, i don't think he thinks magic is real i no. think he believes it when he says it's all hooey his roast of the reawakened uh, are was interesting because it really was nuanced like he he does just want to make fun of them and put them down and say you know oh it looks like you didn't get picked but i guess he's working within their own reasoning to yep. insult them if he doesn't believe in magic <laughs> because just saying wow it sounds like within your own fairy tale you're the loser how's that going for you <laughs> yep and that seems very within his personality like magic isn't real very very authoritative very wrong right if you can just declare things then they are the way you declare them we need professor membrane here because um, he got dangerously close all he needed to do was say that perhaps the elephant was a weather balloon and then it was swamp gas that they uh, <laughs> that they detonated, and we'd have Professor Membrane. At least Professor Membrane has more of a leg to stand on <laughs> compared to this guy. I mean, if magic were real, Professor Membrane probably invented it, so... <laughs> it could be explained by science! Magic is just insufficiently examined science. Uh, speaking of examining, I really did not like examining the, the newsboy. Boy, oh boy, did they capture... <laughs> the essence of newsboy in this character but just the the contortion of his mouth and teeth in order to you know really emphasize just exactly what someone who would scream hear all about it would <laughs> be animated you know uh, they they nailed it but i was ready to move on uh, <laughs> i i did not examine his design so much so as to be traumatized but what i did enjoy <laughs> was his pun Get your news automatically, and then it's the the auto chronicle or whatever. The, the robot company has a newspaper. Yes, they do have to keep dropping pieces about auto so that by the time we get there, it you know feels like a background regular element of the world. I mean, there's nothing regular about auto. Let me tell you. 
Well, and I don't know much about him. I, you know, watched up to the point where I, I met him, but I don't know much about him. We never find out much. Ugh. Curse them for cutting this down to 10 episodes. Like I said, even even two 13-episode seasons would have been so much better. It's surprising that they greenlit it to even have this. Oh, trust me. I am surprised, too, that they were like, you know what? Let's go for 10 episodes. Considering all the weird decisions in the whole Cartoon Network and Adult Swim corner, though, uh, yeah, it's a miracle this was ever made in the first place. But, uh, you know, people like experiments sometimes. It's like there was that Metroid game that was dead for 15 years and just happened. I think COVID did weird things to media properties along with all the, uh, you know, other wild times with acquisitions. So somehow this uh, made it through where, you know, 50 other projects didn't. So, what did you think of Darvish? Well, okay, so immediately I'm thinking, it's Aang's guru! <laughs> He's back, right? But, Chakra! Uh, everybody loves Chakras. Definitely the standout of the episode. I can't help but really just compare it to his character in Avatar, though, and think about how funny it is if these were lines said by the guru, <laughs> right? Because it's the opposite of wise. Uh, spiritual advice, right? He's a complete con man. Uh, he's after the engagement ring. And, you know, I, I guess just by putting Emma in an emotionally tense thought pattern, he accidentally gets her to <laughs> confront the demon within. But, yeah, he was funny. Um, uh, Almost a little overdone for a second there, kind of like the newsboy, like uh, almost to the point <laughs> of being grating when he's doing his, you know, while uh, having Emma close her eyes. So um, I'm just going to assume that there was nothing offensive about that scene and just that it was, you know, just a, a little grating as far as his voice goes, which was the intended effect. So congratulations <laughs> to that actor. And again, I just the contrast with the guru makes me laugh so much like i i kind of want to see it reanimated on the other side where he's just like sitting and meditating with ang and then going you know like that it's the fact that it's the same voice is beautiful but uh yeah that scene that it leads to oh i guess we talked about it but that is the core emotional beat the crazy thing that's happening in this show the thing that probably made it able to make it to be a 10 episode miniseries and uh following it we see emma struggle against the crotchless i suppose stone warriors who uh you know she just doesn't want to fight and we see she can just barely contain the spirit <laughs> mildred desperately wants to fight so eventually she uh she gets in there uh, that that bit with the with the soldiers i saw some people upset oh this is on adult swim why did they have to censor it how could you be upset over something that was done so funny Character one says, nobody go outside. Character two says, what are you talking about? Oh, nobody look outside. <laughs> yeah, first of all, I watched this episode with my mom, so I'm very glad they didn't take the Adult Swim route. And uh, second of all, yeah, the the way that they have the thumping in the background, I mean, they totally play it up as, I was like, oh man, what? Are they going to get more horrific than the elephant? Because, you know, after you just saw episode two, you're thinking... I think this show's going to lean more and more into the grotesque and horrifying and whatever. But, uh, you know, you rewatch the scene now, you watch Edred's face, and you can see a completely different reading. It's like, oh, 
there's a lot of there there's a big sausage army coming and this is embarrassing. <laughs> Thankfully Twillian does excellent work. Yeah, the sword just goes and chops every dude's dong which uh, is convenient because that also initiates the fight. I they were just standing there waiting for a reaction before <laughs> for whatever reason. That this was a weird fight too. It only came to the warriors. This was not like the elephant which really grabbed their attention and Made them have to save a, a city block. Oh, that. Trust me, we'll see what they can do to city blocks in episode four. It ain't pretty. Well, yeah, I guess they just showed up first. Uh, we also, of course, saw the uh, Nine-Tailed Fox in the uh, spirit world. And, you know, starts off looking cute and innocent. And then, of course, becomes a giant beast. The purpose doesn't seem any more straightforward here. <laughs> I mean... What what purpose could there be other than malice? Well, except for that our premise is maybe it's not so great that the warriors, you know, exist in the first place, or at least that the way that they take over bodies works. And, you know, it's hard to tell what the evil is and the fact that they've battled it for so long. Why haven't they won against it? And what is it supposed to be doing? And, you know, we already talked about that Merlin looks creepy. <laughs> you have not seen the episodes. They they do elaborate on what it means to be a host. The hosts get to go back to their lives after the evil has been fought. Copernicus well, takes they the souls of that. the warriors back, and uh, the hosts get to do their thing. So presumably the descendants of the hosts were probably mostly born after the, the warriors had gone on. Well, that's curious because I never, I, at this point in the show, I'm not even thinking about the logistics of you know, what would happen after they went against the evil? Uh, because I guess it wouldn't take the whole rest of their lives, right? It makes Melinda, like, needlessly confrontational here instead of saying, relinquish yourself to me, girl. It's like, come on, I literally only need your body for a couple weeks, a month tops. Yeah, I mean, the fact that there's all this tension around having your body taken, but it's only temporary. Of course, it'd be better if it was opt-in in the first place, but that uh, I'm interested to see how that plays out in the episode because it would certainly pull a bit of the dramatic tension back. You know, just a month <laughs> without your fiance—that's yeah. not the worst ever. I mean, it still kind of ruined the wedding ceremony, but uh, that's interesting. You need, really need more episodes to elaborate. You know what that means. <laughs> oh well, <sighs> what can you do? But I do like. You know, we spend a whole scene with Emma back at her house trying to put on her old clothes putting on the the big floofy wig which I'm confused why there is a wig because she had natural blonde hair in the first place but whatever um and you know it poorly fits and her black hair shows underneath and she meets up with her parents again maybe she donated her hair to uh to a needy cause at one and point and then it got donated back <laughs> oh you're saying she shaved it off and the wig was for that time yeah okay yeah. but uh yeah all that Dramatic tension. I mean, I thought the actual most intense scene, really, of the entire episode was her father, Fairfax, saying, that is oh, not yeah. our daughter. You know, the delivery of that line was so grim, right? He just said, basically, that she's dead <laughs> to him, right? And his wife is so shocked. But, you know, with the supporting music, you're like, wow, this is so weighty. But the fact that that would just be reversed in a month <laughs> makes it so weird. And that is another line that makes me think, 
Is this Melinda in the driver's seat right now? But I do believe it is meant to be Emma driving for these uh, first couple of episodes Mm -hmm. before Melinda gets her turn in the driver's seat later on. I mean, do you get the sense? I almost get the sense that this character is almost like a third emergent property of the two conflicting people. Like, it's not a combined personality. It's more like the conscious experience is experiencing having both of the memories, right? Like, you have this functioning body that effectively can feel both happening, but Emma is winning. I don't know, maybe that's not actually canon in the show, but it kind of, that's how it reads to me, which I, at least in these early episodes, thought was really interesting. We need to tweet it, Gandy. <laughs> you mean I need to uh, thread <laughs> at him? Yeah, we need to thread it, Gandy. Yeah. Oh, wait, I'm going to have to get a Facebook account, aren't I? Oh, I, you know, if Rebecca Sugar joins threads, maybe I'll think about it. I, actually, I think I do have a Facebook account. I wonder what my password is. <laughs> I, I'm like, you know, I deleted my Facebook in 2016 for no, no reason at all. Can't think of anything that happened that year. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> the uh, I, I'm pretty sure I could recreate the account in an instant. It It, it was never gone, you know. But. Yep, so the uh, the inspector, not nearly as big a deal as uh, we'll later find out, as uh, he seems in this episode, but mm, I just love them give, going out and give it their, giving it their best try. We have you surrounded! Not really. <laughs> uh, they were never worthy foes for the warriors. No, although the warriors are only barely have it together in this. I mean, Copernicus, luckily, is... Uh... Very agile, but he's also just blasting through houses for most of it. <laughs> Which was a funny, like, no reason to do any of this. Like, I appreciate that no one was home while any of it was happening. They seemed to just be blasting through windows and walls without any screams or <laughs> people leaping out of the way. If, if this were a 90s show, you definitely would have had a shrieking cat in at least one of those houses. <laughs> Actually, I can't believe, given the aesthetics of the show that they didn't do that big miss yeah maybe we'll have to do a director's cut where we add in a a, a cat getting its uh tail run over by copernicus as he oh. rampages through the house just the sound we don't have to see it <laughs> yeah anyway guys that's it for us on a faithful encounter join us next week until then i'm gc13 and i'm david don't forget to leave us a review anywhere you listen to podcasts Later, everybody. Our opening and closing music is by Mark Soto. For more cartoon-related content, please visit LunarCeasefire.com.